0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 165 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. 165 Lawley is a main belt asteroid that was discovered by CHF Peters on August 9th, 1876. Now, I know it's August 12th, so it's not quite a numbers fact with this day in history, but it's a pretty good start to the show. Today, we'll discuss the rules about coaching via phone. For Technique Tuesday, we'll look at the drop shot off a lob. In the questions, we'll talk about double strategy, the feeling of practicing but not progressing, the backhand smash with the penhole grip, where the thinner sponge wears out more quickly, and tactics for playing in a handicap competition. I'm Jeff Flum. And as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. And um, yes, early in the morning just isn't quite as peppy, is it? You know, like <laughs> yeah, 630? It, I know, it is
0: early. And it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm not really a morning person, I've got to be honest. But, um, and can you l- tell, guys? Can you tell? <laughs> And last night, I was up a bit late, too, because it was the McKinnon Primary uh, School Concert, so that was quite a show to watch.
1: Excellent. Well done.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, Alois, that was a pretty interesting number slash mm, three days ago in history, this day thing, wasn't it?
1: What have you got for us today? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Um, and I, I reckon I missed a big one yesterday. I missed, I missed, uh, I missed uh, Robin Williams's uh, passing, and, and I can't remember how many years ago it is now. But um, I think that was either yesterday or today. I couldn't quite work it out. Hmm. That is that is a bit sad. Yeah, it is. And in and you'll have to guess the year, the Space Shuttle Enterprise named after the Star Trek Space Module passes its first solo flight test. What what year do you think, Jeff? Uh, 74. Oh, you're close. 77. I wouldn't have had it back that far. There you go. 1977. There 38 go. years ago. 38 years.
0: Enterprise. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well... Let's get on to some table tennis stuff, Alois. And yesterday's skiller's question of the day was, do you boost? And so a few people firstly had a question about what that even meant and, and what were the responses?
1: Yep. So we did have quite a few responses. So, um, um, if, and a few people did ask, what do you mean by boosting? Um, but, um, Phil Phil said uh, cannot use Chinese rubber if not boosted. Mm. And Tad said I've boosted in the past, but trying some new German rubbers. Um, and Ilya said I'm curi- uh, uh, very curious how a boosted H th- three uh, would play. Um, said the same thing. Probably one day I will buy a Provincial Hurricane three and boost it just to see what people find so special about those special rubbers. So and but Noel. And Steve have said, uh, sorry, what is a boost? And that's a good question. Ilya has responded saying, boosting is applying some chemical to the sponge that produces the effect similar to speed gluing and that lasts longer. It is uh, it's commonly used with traditional Chinese tacky rubbers like Hurricane Three. So I guess what we need to talk about though is the fact that it isn't actually legal. Um, so boosting is. um, adding chemicals to um, the sponge and it's instead of putting glue on it, you're just adding the chemical that basic basically or a chemical that basically gives you the same effect as um, as speed gluing. So uh, yeah, so it is illegal, but um, I think quite commonly used though.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? Because um, technology has increased and we've got newer rubbers, which are legal and has made the game faster, yet now they've got... Well, then they used to have speed gluing, and they that made the rubbers even faster, but they thought that that was bad for the health, so they banned it. Is the boosting also a, a health issue?
1: I'm not sure whether... Uh, well, not really, because, you know, you can use things like, um, yeah, diff- yeah, different chemicals that aren't that harmful for you. But I guess it's just the playing field, isn't it? It's, um, you know, keeping the playing field even. That's the, that's the real issue.
0: Is it? Because if everyone can boost and it's not bad for health, is it a problem? Is it? I mean, it seems like just developing a faster rubber. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's interesting when it gets to these rules and whether they're right. I know, you know, in Formula One, they make all these rules all the time to make it um, harder for the cars or safer. Yeah. So I don't, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, and uh, we'll see where the boosting boosting rules go because, uh, yeah, I think um, it, it's, it, it needs to be cleared up one way or the other.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of these things where if it's a rule but you can't enforce it and everyone start, does it or half the people do it, it it doesn't really create a level playing field, and then it, it's not a great situation. But I'm, I don't know what the answer is here either. Interesting topic, Aloysius.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: All right. So that moves us on to the Ping Skills question of the day, which is, will Zhu Yuling win the 2016 Olympic Women's Singles? So she just had a big win in the China Open. Is that going to translate to Rio 2016? Jump on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash PingSkills, and leave a comment or straight to our website, PingSkills.com. Click on the blog link and leave your thoughts. Okay, now, Alois, we want to talk about coaching via a phone. Where has this come from?
1: Yeah, so um, it sort of developed out of a conversation I was having with uh, Graham Ireland, who is um, the ref that uh, I respect the most in the world. He's, He's got a very a good and clear understanding of rules and, and makes things very simple so we were talking to him about another question that we had about um are you allowed to listen to music during um during a match and have your earphones in so his comment about that initially was yes you are um as long as it's not distracting to your opponent so um one of the rules is that you're not allowed to wear things like, you know, big jewellery or things that are going to, you know, reflect or, or distract your opponent. So as long as it's not doing that, you are allowed to um, wear earphones. Um, and, I mean, Graham did make the comment, though, that, you know, why would you? Because if you can't hear the ball, um, you know, that's going to be detrimental to you anyway. Um, anyway, from that, I, I, there, there's been a question in my mind about, you know, are you allowed to? Um, be on the phone Um, and the the comment from Graham was the player wouldn't be allowed to be on the phone because that would be receiving coaching from somebody other than their coach so at the start of a match at international level or a big match um, you have to nominate who your coach is and you and you actually write it down on um, on the the umpire's score sheet So that's the only person that is allowed to coach or advise you during the match. (laughs) But then I started to discuss um, this with Graham, and I said, well, is the coach allowed to be on the phone? And he said, yes. He said it did happen to him in one of his first international tournaments um, many, many years ago. And it also happened to him recently at the Australian Closed uh, Championship. So the coach is allowed to be on the phone and can get advice from someone else to pass on to the player. I thought that was really interesting. And I thought somewhere in the back of my head, I, I always thought that that was not allowed, but uh, I've heard it from the great man, Graham Island, and uh, he said that that is allowed. So the coach can actually sit on the phone and get advice from someone else. And, and you know, ne- nowadays with uh, with live streaming, etc. cetera, um, you know, I could sit anyone on the bench and um, someone can talk to them uh, via phone um, while watching the live streaming and, and give the coach advice to, to pass on. Really interesting in this day and age.
0: Okay, that's, that is interesting. Now, what if the player nominated a coach that wasn't present and then the player could jump on the phone and get advice from the nominated coach via the phone?
1: Ah, that is a good question. That is a very good question, Jeffrey. Yes, I well, mean this so technology a, causes all these issues. <laughs> yeah, just have the phone sitting next to the um, to the bench, and exactly. um, and the coaches watching live streaming. Just yeah, maybe need, why not?
0: The coach doesn't even need to be in the stadium anymore. It's it's perfect. Um, so exactly. is only one coach allowed on the bench?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. you're only let. In individual matches, um, you're only allowed one person on the bench. Um, in teams matches, you're only allowed your team members plus one coach on the bench.
0: Okay. So surely then in team matches, the team members could talk to the coach and the coach could pass it on to the player as well. So more than one person yeah. providing input, but only one person talking to the player.
1: Yeah. well, I think I think in the teams matches, though, um, anyone can talk to the player. Anyone that's oh, on okay. the bench can talk to the player. Yep.
0: There you go. So, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. very interesting discussion. There you go. Um,
1: let us know if Thanks you ever to... received coaching yeah. via phone. You go on, yeah. yeah, and thanks to Graham Island. He's, um, he's great. He um, he always is able to clear things up, you know, when, uh, when there's something tricky. So thank you, Graham Island.
0: Indeed. Thank you, Graham. All right. Today, Alloys, is Technique Tuesday, and we want to talk about the drop shot off a lob,
1: yeah. So this is a shot that I find um, can be useful um, if you if you find someone that's quite quite good at um, defence and lobbing the ball back. So it just gives a bit of a change up to to what you're doing. So instead of trying to you know smash, 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 and if your smash isn't very strong, it just changes things up a little bit. So the things to look for when to play that drop shot. Firstly, make sure that the ball is closer to the net, so it lands closer to the net on your side. If the ball lands near your end line, it's really difficult to make the drop shot off the log because from back here to try and get the ball just over there is 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 treacherous. So wait for the ball to land um, nice and nice and short um, near near the net. The next thing is you have to have a really soft hand. Um, And take the ball really, really early. If you let the ball bounce up high and you try to play a drop shot from there, the ball will bounce high on the other person's side. You'll give them plenty of time to come in and smash that ball at you. So make sure you're hitting the ball really low and close to the net. And the third thing that um, is probably the the Best thing about making the drop shot off the lob is to just add a little bit of side spin on it. If you add a little bit of side spin, you'll find that the ball will stop a little bit quicker. It's hard to it's hard to uh, get the ball to stop quickly with pure topspin on the ball, okay? Because it will bounce further and go closer to the person uh, running in uh, when they see the drop shot. Whereas with the side spin, the ball can stop um, quicker on the table on the other side. So, yeah, there's a few tips for you for the drop shot off a lob. Um, it's it's a shot that, um, I mean, you don't use a real lot, but it's a good thing to have in your um, arsenal when you, uh, when you need it. So um, go to um, our lessons page and strokes and techniques, and there's a, a lesson there specifically on the drop shot off a lob that you can take a look at.
0: All right, great uh, technique Tuesday there. Um, again, like you said, Alice, not a shot you use a lot, but yeah, definitely handy, especially against a good lobber. And um, so, yeah, get out there on the table and give the drop shot off a lob a go. Um, learn how to do it. And as Alice said, it will help you out from time to time. All right, now straight into some live questions from our viewers who have done it using the Google Q&A app and if you want to ask questions live on the show just go to our Google Plus page. Best way to do that is go to pingskills.com, scroll down to the footer and kick on, click on the Google Plus icon and straight up Noel says, oh no, how can I forget? I-chan, I-chan, I-chan. What a comeback. She is phenomenal now, ai Chan is referring to I Fukuhara Alois. She's commonly known as ai Chan in Japan. And her first name, I, means love. So there you go. And she did well at the China Open, Alois.
1: Yeah, she did. And uh, Noel uh, obviously forgot to watch, Noel. Um, yeah, so um, she, she had some really tough matches. I'm just uh, going back to them now. So she, um, uh, first round, she had a 4 3 win. Sorry, I just need to get back to it. Um, yeah, first round, where is she? Yeah, she had a, a 4-3 win against Rim Yong-sun from uh, North Korea, um, winning 11-7 in the uh, last set. And then uh, in the second round, had a had an unbelievably good win against Mu Zi from, uh, from China. And uh, after being down several match points, got up, to win 14-12 in the seventh set. So uh, so big win there for uh, I-Chan, and uh, that's what Noel was referring to. And then, interestingly, another 4-3 um, result and going down 4-3 to Ding Ning in the in the uh, last 16. So, um, yeah, so obviously in really... Good form uh, once again. You know, we saw her in uh, at the Australian Open, and and that was her, I suppose, her breakthrough win again, wasn't it, uh, Jeff? After I think a couple of years um, away from the winner's circle on the world tour. So, um, so yeah, I Fukara really, really stepping up again.
0: Yeah, having a great 2015, uh, look, looking like her best year for a long time. And that, you know, that's a really good result at the China Open, and you know, pushing Ding Ning into the seventh set there. Um, great to see. Um, so she should be one to look out for in Rio as well. All right. Now, Noel actually has another question for us, Alice. He says, um, hello, Alois and Jeff. I often play a lot of doubles at the rec center. How important is talking about strategy with your partner and what strategies are the best? And by the way, Ma Long and Yuya Oshima, really awesome match. Ma Long putting the hammer down.
1: Yes, it was, was, it was a big match indeed. 4-3 uh, uh, result there as well. Um, so yes, as, as far as doubles, it's really important to talk to your partner about strategy, about what you're trying to do in the rally. And it needs to be almost every rally. So first up, if you're serving, um, you need to communicate as to what type of serve you're going to do. So if you um, signal, I mean, you, uh, a lot of you would have seen that players signal underneath the table to their partner whether they're going to do what type of serve they're going to do. You know, often that can mean um, topspin, that can mean you know backspin, long, that can mean backspin short. Um, so signaling to your partner helps them to understand what is going to happen in the rally um, as well. Um, now, um, players often signal as well. On the return of serve, so they might signal the direction that they're going to return to. So if I'm returning, I'll signal that I'm going to return it uh, deep into the backhand corner, or short into the backhand corner, or deep to the forehand corner. So that um, also then helps your partner to know what type of ball's coming next. But just in general, um, the strategy in the game, it's its important that you talk to each other about it, you know. So um, you might have one really strong player at the other end and the strategy is going to be to try to stop that person from making the attack. And that needs to be a two-person job, you know, not just me hitting to to him. It's how we set that, set that all up. So yeah, really important. Talk to your partner. You can talk to your partner between each point, as long as you don't take too long. And and uh, reset for the point. And in doubles nowadays, I, you know, find it's it's so choppy and changey. You know, with the two serves now, after in every two serves, the game changes. You know, I'm serving to to Jeff. Um, the game is different to when Jeff is serving to my partner. So um, so every two serves, it's definitely there's a whole new combination of uh, of things happening as well.
0: Yeah, certainly is. And, um, Noel, we do have a lesson on double strategy for our premium members, so I'll put a link in the show notes. So be sure to check that out too. Um, And with our premium membership, great way to improve your table tennis. So if you are looking to get better, go to pingskills.com and check out all the great stuff we've got available as part of our premium membership. There's a course on serving, receiving, match strategy, Um, multi-ball, there's a 52-week training plan, which we break up into four-week locks and focus on different topics each four weeks and the associated masterclasses, lots of great material to help you improve. So go to pingskills.com and check out the premium membership. Now, the next question is from Michael. He says, I feel as if I'm running around in circles. I've been training every day for four and a half hours but I feel as if I haven't made any progress. My rating has, in fact, gone down significantly. Is there any way that I can learn to benefit from my practice?
1: Yeah, so Michael, this is a this is a common thing that we we see a lot. You know, people start to practice a lot. They start to um, uh, step up their training, and initially, I mean, just naturally, your your ranking will go down or can go down because. Um, you're spending a lot of time you're um, you're starting to um, uh, I suppose have a lot more expectations on yourself as well so it when, when it comes to a match situation sometimes you feel under a bit more pressure so that's quite natural improving your strokes can also mean changing your game so you know you used to do you used to push off everything now you're trying to make your top spin or you now you're trying to do something a little bit more more um, more attacking, so you will make mistakes when you when you start to change the strategy of what you're trying to do with your game. But remember, in the long term, that strategy is going to be better for you. So, so that can also lead to a dip in um, your playing level. And then, thirdly, what you can start to think about doing is also tailoring your your training a little bit more to some match type drills. So. You might now just be practicing a lot of topspin, whereas before you used to push push the ball a lot. So now um, it's not only the topspin that you need to think about; it's how you're going to get um, into the rally to play a topspin. So what type of serve you're going to do? Um, the third ball you're going to do. So so you then need to start to practice some third ball drills or some fifth ball drills where you where you're starting the the training drill with a serve. So you're serving, getting your partner to push the ball you make the top spin off backspin and then go from there so um don't worry too much mike um it's it's about development overall and as long as you are are comfortable and clear in your head as to what your game is going to look like and it um and it's um a better looking um, or better performing game in the long run then keep working towards that
0: yeah, very interesting topic, Alice, and some good tips there for Michael. I think the other important thing to remember is that progress isn't linear. It's not a straight line. Um, often you won't improve for a while, won't improve, won't improve, and then all of a sudden you'll just jump up and, and you'll have a breakthrough victory and then you'll start beating a lot more players and then it will you know might just come down a little bit and then – so it's never this straight line and – you never know when just around the corner might be one of those, you know, big jumps. So it's it's important always to keep working on your game and trusting that that will come.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I've told this story before, but, um, but um, Marius, one of the um, chaps I, I see, um, told me a really good story once about Miracle Mud. So um, he was... Um, you know, battling to try to get his fish tank clean and to, and the water clear, and he tried and tried and tried for forever to and you know all sorts of different things, and almost gave up, and then he happened upon um, you know the guy in a in a fish store, and um, who told him about this miracle mud that you put into the fish tank put that in, and it almost, you know, cleared it up um, straight away. So just that one little more um, bit of information was the thing that that, uh, made the huge change. So, yeah, just keep looking for that miracle mud, but it takes a lot of hard work to get to there.
0: Awesome story, Alois. All right. Now, Bennett has a question. Bennett says, I play with the J-Pen blade, but curl my finger for the c-pen grip if i do not have time to get around the ball how can i do a backhand smash with the traditional backhand
1: all right so i, I responded to bennett on um, on our ask the coach page and i told him about this beautiful backhand smash that you can do from here um you know um like um you know some of the koreans it's sort of almost known as the korean backhand where you're starting a uh, Uh, way over near your left hip or past your left hip and coming through and smashing the ball um, through that way. So you need a lot of rotation. You need a a really big backswing and coming through, finishing up, you know, past your right shoulder up there. But then Bennett came back to me and said, not exactly what I was talking about. Um, So he was talking about the higher ball, you know, so when the ball's really high on your backhand side. So, And we do have a lesson on the backhand smash, and this applies to whether you're using the J-pen, C-pen, shake hand, uh, V-grip, whatever it is. Um, If that ball is high on your backhand side, you are much better off getting around and utilising your forehand smash. Now, the backhand smash up there with the shake hand or the pen hold or whatever it is, is, is a really awkward shot. If the ball is up that high that means that you have enough time to step around and use your forehand, okay? Um, So as soon as the ball goes up that high, you need to see that, get around and utilise your forehand smash to make that higher ball.
0: Excellent advice. There you go, Bennett. Use the forehand. You've been told by alloys. (laughs) All right. um, Laos has a question. Does thinner sponge rubber wear out more quickly? I'm thinking of buying a new rubber Calibra LT max, and it has outstanding durability, but it's a bit springy for me for more control. I'm thinking of a thinner one, but I'm afraid of losing spin and durability.
1: Yeah. So as far as the durability, I, I mean, I don't feel like the thinner, uh, sponged rubbers, um, are less durable. Um, it'd be interesting to hear other people's thoughts on it though. Um, I haven't used a lot of um, you know thinner rubbers. You know, one mil uh, haven't used one point five for a long time either. Um, but I think the durability is more about the surface um, of of the the rubber rather than the sponge. So I would say there isn't much durability change. However, the speed change is um, or can be significant. So off a you know a, a two millimeter or or a thicker sponge um, you do get more speed and spin Um, if you go down to a one millimeter sponge you'll get much less speed and spin so so that's something that you can control as well so if you're looking for more um, control uh, then go down to a 1.5 rubber and and that's what um, he was talking about a little bit as well you know so so getting a nice springy rubber but um, in a in a thinner sponge, so you, you also get the control with it. So, yeah, it's not a bad idea.
0: Yeah, indeed. And, yeah, I've found the same with the durability alloys. I haven't noticed any correlation to the sponge thickness with durability. But, yeah, um, if anyone else has, leave a comment on our blog. Love to hear your thoughts. Now, Mike has said... I am playing in a handicap event where players start on different scores, and you play one game up to fifty-one. Do you have any tactics for playing players rated much higher? So this is where obviously Mike gets a big head start.
1: Yes. So um, so Mike sort of said, "Oh, have you heard of these events?" And certainly have. And uh, and Jeff actually developed a uh, a program uh, for. The, for Coburg uh, club many, many years ago um, to run um, a handicap event. So a handicap event runs like this. So um, if I'm playing Jeff, because I'm a whole lot better than Jeff, right? Um, <coughs> he, 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 I've got to give him a head start. So, you know, so if, and, and you tend to play just one game. So uh, Mike's talking about playing a game up to 51. So, um, because Jeff's a lot weaker than me, like he can start on, say, 41 and I'll start on zero and then we have a match and then it becomes a little bit more even, you know, so giving giving the poor guy a, a bit of a chance. So that's that's how the, um, the handicap system works. But um, so Mike's question is, when you are playing a player better than you, okay, what are your tactics? So the main things are to... I, I think, is to um, not be too safe. If you're safe, you're going to find that the better players tend to have better control than you. So they'll just put one more ball on the table. You're not putting them under any threat at all. So it's better to go for your shots a lot more. So you've got less points to, to, to get, and it's almost like, you know, you're, you're taking the risk, and if you miss two and get one on you're still winning. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's the best tactic when you're playing uh, players that are better than you. Jeffrey, have you got anything to say?
0: Um, yes. Um, against you, I just play one wide to your forehand and then get into your backhand. Um, but <laughs> for Mike, I, I agree with exactly what you're saying. Because I did play quite a few of these and whenever I had to give away a head start... I didn't like it if the player just took big swings because, yeah, it's hard to get back. And if they get one on, it's difficult and you don't have a lot of points to play with. So if they did play safer, then you're never under any real pressure. So in that situation, absolutely agree. You know, just go for more than usual um, and really up the ante and take more risks. Absolutely.
1: Good tactics. And Jeff, you, um, yeah, so I think um, you started playing um, handicap tournaments in in, um, in Canberra too, didn't you?
0: That's right, yeah. Um those are the first competitions I played in. They um, they started on, I had a competition every Friday night and every Sunday. So I'd often go to those competitions uh, and a lot of fun. And the very first one I went to, I played a guy and I, we played up to 31 in Canberra and I played a guy and gave him like, Um, I started on 27 and he started on like minus 10 or something like that and he beat me man he was so good (laughs) just could not win a point Um, but yeah great great experience Um, love love playing those competitions when I was first starting and I think Mike said he enjoyed it too because you get to play different levels of players so um, yeah it's a really good experience. All right, Mike. So, yeah, up the Andy, take more risks against those better players. Now, uh, Luke has just jumped on, and he's asked a question. Thanks uh, for jumping on the show, Luke. Love hearing questions live. And his question is, what is meant by brush contact when looping? I think of a thin top sheet contact, but the ball makes a squeak noise and falls off the racket. Thus, I'm more of a drive looper. So what does brush mean?
1: Yeah, so Luke, um, you are right. It is that that brushing contact, so where you're just skimming the ball. So if you listen, it it can make a little bit of a squeaky contact, but if it is squeaking and dropping off, it may mean that your rubber hasn't got enough grip. So check your rubber. Just rub your finger across it um, and see... If I if I try and do that, it's very difficult to push the ball across the rubber. If um, if I get an old rubber that isn't um, as good, you can see that, you can hear that squeak. So yeah, so it probably is the fact that your rubber it might not be uh, not might not or might be starting to die. Um, you may need to think about changing the rubber, perhaps.
0: Yeah, good good advice there. Um, and otherwise, I guess if you've got a good rubber, then I guess it's just more about getting the contact right.
1: Yeah, so um, it's it's the difference. Between, I mean, if you, if you try to go too thin, then maybe the ball will drop off. So it's just getting the right angle um, to to still generate topspin and still get the, the nice contact to get the ball over the net.
0: Great. And we talk about this in our forehand topspin off block video. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Have a look at that. Yeah, so Luke, um, check out your rubber. Make sure it's still got some grip. Maybe it's time to um, replace it with a new rubber. Uh, And then also take a look at that forehand topspin video, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. All right, Alloys, that wraps up a big episode 165. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. And thank you, Alloys.
1: Thanks Jeff and uh, have a great day ping skillers bye there he is bye